0: Hey guys, before today's episode of the podcast, I want you to text me, 212-931-5731. If you don't, you're missing out. I'm putting all my eggs in the text basket. 212-931-5731. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Hey everybody, uh, welcome to a conversation on the podcast, uh, a format that it seems that a lot of people are liking and so we're gonna continue to do it. Um, I'm super excited about this uh, interview because this is a great story about if you don't ask, you don't get. So I'm gonna let this lovely lady introduce herself and tell you uh, uh, who she is, then I'll tell you how she got here and then we're <laughs> gonna shoot the-
1: What's up? I'm What's so up? excited Good to, see to be you back here. It's crazy. So I'm Heather Monahan. I was formerly a chief revenue officer in corporate America for 14 years. Um, I got fired two years ago. And when that happened, I wrote and self-published my first book, Confidence Creator, which trumped Trump for number one in business biographies on Amazon. Have the screenshot to prove that one. And I've just been out now speaking. I just did my first TED Talk Saturday. Thank you, and um, I'm just tearing it up.
0: So, so I was on your podcast a uh, you couple that, months by the ago. Way. You're welcome for that. A couple months ago, uh, Heather, and then uh, thank you. Bro. And then uh, at the end, or in it, or towards the end, you're like, "Can I be on yours?" And I said, "Yep, you can." And the re- and one, we had a great. I thought it was a great session on your podcast. Everyone
1: loved it. Yeah, it actually,
0: good. let's jump into that. How was the feedback?
1: Amazing. What was
0: the thing that stood out?
1: People said it was a different version of you because we talked a lot about family. Remember, we talked about your grandmother. Like, we really got into some different topics, I think, that typically people don't explore with you, which was cool. Cool. Uh, And so, great energy to
0: your point. I did think it was, it got into a lot of territories that were different. And uh, yeah, I, I just, you know, it's funny. I, and, and for everybody listening, you've seen Zane, who's sitting here, asks me at a Q&A, can I get a job? I say yes, he literally works here. <laughs> uh, uh, you've seen other things, you know, I say yes to, and then, and then I say no all the time, like thousands and thousands, not thousands, hundreds and hundreds of people have asked me in those kind of scenarios, can I be on the podcast or this or that? You can't get a shout on your social, and things of that nature. And I always feel super comfortable saying no or yes, uh, at, but... To the point, and, and something that I'd like to start talking about as a kickoff point, before we go into a little more context on you and then anything else you wanna talk about is, how much, how often do you ask for what you're looking for? How has that worked for you in your career? When did you develop it? Has it always been there? I think, you know, uh, I put out a piece of content recently where I told everybody to DM, every, uh, to text everybody in their address book if they knew anybody that could give them business, right? So if you sell it, you know everybody listening. If you missed it, if you sell T-shirts, if you have an agency, if you have you know a product, a book, instead of texting everybody in your phone, and I'm talking like starting with Aaron Anderson and ending with Zach Zarlinton, you know, if you text everybody instead of saying, "Hey, can you buy my book?" You could say, hey, I have a new book, Aaron. Uh, do you know anybody who'd be interested in it? Which of course alludes to maybe them or maybe they actually do recommend somebody on it. That really struck a chord and I've gotten hundreds of emails in the last three weeks of people that did it and had miraculous results. Like literally my landscaping business was about to go under. I was going to like put everything on a credit card but I saw that clip, texted 483 people and have 13 new clients and don't need to take out credit cards like so so much of why we're sitting here is you just had the audacity, the strategy, the the thoughtfulness, whatever one wants to put in front of it to actually ask, which is something people are super fearful of. uh how are you with that? Obviously, you did it with me. Has it always been there? Has it not been there? Tell me about you with the relationship of asking. So you're that going is my opening up. question. This Heather. is
1: funny. So, you know Zach that runs your speaker business? Zach Nadler. Yes, I do. Okay. So com. So, I was on a conference call with Zach, and I don't know Zach. Yep. And I was going to be interviewing Jesse Itzler and Sarah Blakely a month ago in Boston. And so, they had this call with me to like basically strategize how it would go and whatnot. God. So, I said, listen... Zach, I don't know you, but here's the thing. I want to come out to Biggie Small, Mo Money, Mo Problem. Me and Jesse will go, like, riff this thing up and start rapping. He's like, excuse me. Uh, no, that's is, we do it traditional. and blah, blah, blah. But uh, if you don't, like, think out of the box and then just bring it, like, whatever crazy heat you have, you're going to get nothing. I, I want it to be memorable. Like, I want people to say, holy cow, like, so I, did I get what I want? No. He didn't let fine. me do it, which is fine, but he will remember me forever. Because as soon as he saw me at Hypergrowth, he's like, oh my God, you're that crazy lady that wants to come out with Jesse rapping. Yes. You know, so like even if you don't get what you're going for, you're going to be remembered forever. Are you better at asking for things in business or
0: in personal life or business. both? Yeah, no, me, me too. I'm not good in personal me life. Me too. Me neither. I'm. I have so much less fear of knowing business than I did growing up with like girls. Like so much more. I used to like laugh, like thinking like, why am I 13 and willing to like do actual business with 43 year olds? But I'm like scared to ask like Stacy Johnson to the dance. I'm the
1: same. The same thing.
0: And 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 by the way, what's ironic about that is I actually have seen far more people the other way. I always used to think it was one and the same, and like it was really funny to me to see like guys or gals that were good social life wise asking, crippled by cold calling or cold emailing or asking, which is why I asked you that I've come to realize, wow, for some reason there's some sort of difference in those two worlds, um, and I'm curious about who stinks at both, who's great at both, and then who's good at one or the other, and which one
1: I wish I was good in my personal life now
0: what was your what was the most businessy thing you did when you
1: grew up? Most being a kid. Yeah, were you in business at oh, all? Yeah, I mean, I had a paper. I was. I grew up poor. My yep. mom was a single mother. Where'd you mother. Grow up? Worcester, Mass. The oh yes. five oh eight. Remember that's what Charlie yes, and yes, I yes, had yes, that in yes, common. Yes, I remember. Yeah, so no, I had a paper route since I was nine. I worked at fast food restaurants. I was, you know, a bus boy at like diners. You know, I just always worked. And
0: so what about entrepreneurship versus job, right? Obviously you were CRO, now you've got fired, you're doing your own thing. Yeah, it's crazy. Was because, you know, a lot of people that grow up with adversity, single mom, having to work, love the
1: stability of a real serious job. Yes. You went that I route. I love that. I yes. never thought about being an entrepreneur. That was a crazy Not, idea. Can you
0: tell the kids that are listening that, you know, neither one of us are under 25, so. 45. You know, right, so, so like how much we didn't grow up with entrepreneurship even being an option?
1: No, you're the poster boy for the entrepreneurial world, but that didn't exist when we were kids. Everyone was in corporate America. I didn't even know there was such a thing. Like that wasn't that wasn't something somebody talked about.
0: Yeah, like the only way you heard it is like, oh, they own their own business. You would not even right. use the word entrepreneur. No. And as a matter of fact, the word entrepreneur, the few times I did hear it, usually meant rich kid who does nothing and parents are it, <laughs> really it's really interesting like that's how i recall it like four or five guys that i can think of growing up as 16 22 21 like they would have like a card that was like i'm an entrepreneur and i was like what does that mean and basically then somebody else when they would leave be like oh they just live on the beach PhD, their parents are do, like, you, yeah. do you remember
1: that phd papa has dealership <laughs> yes yeah that was i mean that was the entrepreneur back in the day what are you most thinking about these days like what, you, what is your business today well, right now, my number one revenue stream is a speaking business, which is insane. I can't believe how much money I get paid. It's I agree. crazy. It's so exciting. I wish I had known about this. <laughs> how many times did you speak for free, if ever? I just spoke for free at the freaking no, TikTok. No, 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 That's no. A that whole I know. Other situation. I'm talking about
0: prior to getting paid or was your first. My
1: whole career. For twenty years in corporate America, I was right. a sales leader. Right. Every day I spoke. You're speaking to your team. But clients, how about after whatever. you got
0: fired? Actually, tell that quick story before we run out of time. Which one? The framework of what I recall from our podcast and really where you go. You had this big gig. You got fired. Yeah. You had to make an adjustment.
1: Yeah. No, that was the scariest thing because I wasn't. I wasn't comfortable with that unknown space, like how you are. You've, you know, you've always been in this. Lane. Yeah, that's my world. For me, that was never my world. I like that safe. I used. I was tricking myself. I thought it was really safe being in corporate America, which is because any company can be sold tomorrow and Correct. you only have your brand and you and your experiences and your network. So I you know. are not safe unless you are actually doing it. I feel so much safer now that I've worked for myself. Cause you're in control. I'm in control. I trust my boss, you know, like I, I'm not going to sell the company. I'm good. You know? And just it's such a, it's a seismic shift to think about how I, what's produce. the first thing you thought. So you get, how did you get fired in person? Yeah. And a uh, two minute meeting two oh my, minute. And with HR minutes. so the no, with the, with new, the, C- CEO, the new CEO, the CEO I had worked for it. for 14 years, Left. became ill. He elevated his daughter to replace him. And she immediately said, come over, I need to have a meeting with you. And she basically passed two memos in front of me and said, I don't need a chief revenue officer anymore. I don't need you. Which memo would you like to sign? And one said, Heather Monaghan's been fired. And the other one said, you know, Heather Monaghan, wonderful employee, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But I knew this wasn't my first rodeo. I knew did that you, there was...
0: Did you have any relationship with her? Well,
1: I, prior? she was the CFO and got I was the CRO. It. So got we were like, it. she got wanted to cut everything and I wanted to spend everything. I got it. Of course. That makes you sense. Know? But I, I Did never... you know when
0: she called you over, it was Kaputsky's or did you no, hope... No, because she's
1: a smart woman. Yeah. She was very analytical yep. and she's a CFO. She was... Right. She's the antithesis of me, but I, I thought got it. she knew like... I mean, the in the her job, Got I'm not it. gonna fire her. Right. I figured she was gonna rough me up a little, you know, to or try intimidate. to get aligned. Yeah. Well, I didn't think so. So were was you shocked? Well, I was cry- I mean, I cried the whole r- three-hour ride home. Did you, did you,
0: do you have it in you in that scenario? Like what's funny about me is every time anything happens, I start the process of worst-case scenario. Dustin emails me and says, I need three minutes with you. The first, this is real. This, I just, it just happened. The first thing I think is, I hope he's not sick. Like, I go so funny. I go into like, what's the worst that can happen? I hope he's not sick. Uh, I hope something, like, something weird didn't happen. Like, you know, like, John did something weird to him and it needs to go to HR. (laughs) To me, it's in this order something (laughs) that person or their family is sick. (laughs) Next, something like super politically incorrect, legal, sexual harassment, that's the next worst thing. Third is a good employee wants to leave. So if like a good employee says I need to see you, that's the third thing I think. But like, that's all I think. I don't think like, oh, it's gonna be a five minute check-in. This is, by the way, everyone who's listening, this is the of owning your Like this is actually the way you think. This is why it's interesting what you, like it's crazy to me, but it makes so much sense, which is why I'm jumping on this point. I never really thought about this. The only thing I would have thought when she wanted to see me is I'm getting fired. But what I just realized based on your reaction literally just hit me is like, right, when you're completely accountable to yourself which is what you're figuring out now, Mm -hmm. all the greatness of loving your boss and feeling safe, the part is the way my brain actually works. Listen to what I'm telling you. Every time anyone reaches out to me, in order I think about terminal illness for them or their loved one, sexual harassment or stealing or something horrible. Third is, they're leaving and we value them. That is literally the order that my head goes. Then it's like, hey Gary, can we get 500 bucks for a TGIF Fridays party next (laughs) Thursday for the team? I'm like, yes. That's why why I'm always in a good mood when it's anything but three. And the third one's not even that scary because genuinely on the record for anybody from Vayner that hears this, if one feels like they're ready to move on, I wanna help them. It's the first two that's scary out of me and always what i think every time a client reaches out we're getting fired never we're getting more growth of business macro i'm optimistic macro i'm like we're gonna win we're the best micro micro i'm not
1: that means something big i don't know what it is i'm not a psychologist, well, let me tell you but it's got let mean me
0: tell something. you well, let me tell you what it means in your world when you're walking in there micro she's about to fire me macro i'm a capable human being i'm gonna figure it out whether i'm gonna get another job that's gonna pay me more or I'm gonna start my own career and speak at TEDx.
1: Got it? Yeah, I was but I was the opposite of that. I understand.
0: That's crazy. Which is what I'm thinking about why I'm saying this so aggressively is because there's two people listening right now in this show in the framework of business. Entrepreneurs and employees. And it's like an interesting debate for people that are like for example, there's a lot of people that are employees right now that are thinking about making the jump where they listen to what I just said and are saying, do I want to live a life where I have to always be that on and anxious at all times? Because yes, I'm a firefighter. Like what's amazing about your life right now is you're in control. What's terrible is you're in control. Right. Like if you decide to chill this morning, like if Dustin isn't, (laughs) I'm just looking at him. If Dustin's just like not feeling it today and I'm like pumped all the time and have days when you wake up and you're just not fully feeling it, one could argue that you can call out sick. You can lallygag your day. You can. For me, that's at, like, the re, I'm like, oh, the reason I haven't had a sick day in nine years is that's more scary than the lallygag. Obviously, if I run 105 fever, I'm willing to stay home. But all those days, I mean, I called out of school 13 to 23 times a year. I made pretend I was sick 13 times a year. <laughs> Once I figured out in high school that the nurse had to send you home if you weren't willing to go back to class legally, it was over. I just laid there until they sent me home. I'm like, I'm nauseous, I'm unconscious, I feel weird, I'm anxious, like, get me out of here. And then the best part was I'd go outside, my mom would have to pick me up freshman, sophomore year, and junior year before I got my car, and literally I would never look at her because like, the second I would look at her eyes, I would just start laughing because we both knew the gig. The gig was up. Anyway, not to not to tally, what happens? You cry all the way home and then what?
1: I went under a weighted blanket, grabbed a bottle of Chardonnay, and then I did something. How was the Chardonnay? Oh, it wasn't empathy. It needed to I be know empathy. That. We now it's empathy. A, no, but how was it? Oh, it was good. Good, okay. But, all right. So here's the thing though. I did something super smart and I had never done it. I posted on social media that I just got fired. Mm. I just was vulnerable and I just said I need your you help. You needed something. I needed help. I didn't know what to do. And it was crazy. Froggy from the Elvis Duran show tweeted at me. I want to help you. Is there any way I can help you? And I wrote and I tweeted back. Yeah. Get me, book me on Elvis. He booked me right away to go on the Elvis show. I went on the show and halfway through the interview, Elvis says, well, obviously you're writing a book. And I said, well, obviously, but I wasn't. So I Googled on the plane on the way home, (laughs) how how do you write a book? And it says just write. So I was like, I can do that. So I just went home and I just started writing and writing. And then, you know, it took like two months and I was done with my book.
0: Did you debate self-publishing, because I heard you earlier say that, versus getting a book deal? Was the book deal too long and drawn out, and you wanted to get it out?
1: Speed to market. Yeah. So, you know, obviously with my history in business, I knew speed to market is critical. Yep. And I've got to move fast and I'm going to move so much faster than some traditional publishing house. So I'm glad did that I self-published. Con-
0: did you consider getting a job? Like going back? To a job, yes. So I Not had to, to sign company.
1: I had to sign a non-compete when I took the chief revenue officer position. So for one year I couldn't go back to media. Yep. So I thought to myself, if I'm gonna start over as a rookie somewhere, why wouldn't I roll the dice on me versus, you know, if I'm gonna go do something new? So I'll what just happened work next? You write the book. So I write the book and then I Google how do you promote a book? And you speak to promote a book. So I was like, oh, that's easy. I, sp- I already know how to speak. I didn't know there was a speaking business. I had no idea. Me neither before I got into it. It's so crazy to me. I, I always think, N- how many other things do we not know about that we could be An great at? An uncomfortable in? amount. So that's
0: what's so exciting. I mean, about- that's my entire thesis. When there was some gal in line in this speech I gave and she's like, Gary, I know your thesis of taste things in your 20s and figure out what you love or what you're great at or what there's, m- what to your point and she's like but i've done all that like what do i do and i looked at her she was from belarus too uh, so i was like you know kind of like from the homeland and i'm yeah. like let me get this straight you've decided <laughs> that you've done everything on earth and you now know every like it was just it was funny to watch her like realize oh i've only done nine things and there's 9 billion things there's so many
1: things Well, it's like, I was just mentioning to you, Marcia Kilgore, how she's disrupted the beauty business. Look at that. This is someone who has been in the beauty business for a couple of decades. And one day just said, Hey, I'm going to flip this whole model upside down. Now it just challenges me to think, how can I flip everything upside down?
0: Everything's in play because of the internet. Bookstores and limos are just the first ones. Everything. Every single thing is vulnerable. Everything. Everything. What do you want to, everybody who's listening, like you like eyelash extensions, vulnerable. You like Ice cream vulnerable. You like kindergarten vulnerable. Literally, this is why I, like people you know sometimes struggle to understand what I'm saying. All of it. The answer is yes. There's nothing that is protected. Amazon's vulnerable. I'm telling you right now. Let, let me explain what I mean by that. If you ask me, give me a top ten great idea to start a business right now. One of them is to start a local bookstore. That's shocking. I, that's why I'm making a point of it. I believe that we are at enough scale of books being delivered by Amazon that the counter move is now up for debate. That if you build a trendy, coffee, we worky, co-working, kind of vibey, dry bar, Sephora, rad bookstore, that people will go. That if you make it experiential, and have a, a, another variable, that people pay the extra dollars that are more than Amazon, to be there.
1: I don't know, I, I ha- so I had the TED talk, I ordered like seven dresses online, because when you're a woman, you have to really think about what you're gonna wear for something like this. What about like men? Well, no, it's not, th- it's not as big a deal for a man. It's not, not. You're not gonna be the way that I would be. I think
0: it's time that we start having counter debates of where we, ha- some men are like wildly focused on what they're wearing. They're not gonna be,
1: I mean, everyone's gonna talk about what I wore. Like, it's too sexy or it's not, she's not feminine but why, or but whatever. Why, but why does that matter? I don't know. It matters in a woman's head. It just, it. these are the it, things women think about. Men think about how much money they
0: make, how tall they are. Men think about a lot of things too. What I'm not making a men-women thing. I'm making it a, how do you eliminate that? Because then you go fast.
1: I'll move out of Miami. That's what I should do to eliminate that.
0: Or just not value people's opinions, pro or con. You're right.
1: You are right. But
0: I want that for you, because oh, I want that I want for that, everybody. I want, I want that it for, for every. Me too. I want it yeah. for. Ev- I went to the Knicks game last night and had four hundred thousand. It was. My friend said to me, "Holy, you're more popular than every Nick." And when I tell you that I can't even feel it, I can't. Which is why I can handle the next morning when somebody wrote a blog post this day that I'm trying to exploit the sports card industry because tops pay me twenty five thousand dollars to curate a set. Like you know, you need to be able to I really want this for you. And I, I have a lot of empathy when you talk about women's appearance, like like the enormity of DMs that I get from women that say, Look, easy for you. Like I spend forty years before I go on film and I'm like, look, there's so many like I I understand that historical truths, you know, men and women are different. Uh, there's a million things that go into that, but there are so many men that are shy to go on camera because of their looks, and there are so many women that are not, and vice versa. Sure. And, and, and I'm just trying to get everybody into a mindset of happiness, which is actually truth of elimination of judgment. But nonetheless, you might also enjoy it. Like it just might be fun for you to subconsciously to go through seven dresses. No. Maybe not. Absolutely not. Maybe not. No, that's I understand.
1: pure hell. Understood. But the whole point, this is not why I was telling yeah, you, what this. Were you telling me? Okay, so the whole point is this. So I had to order all these dresses because I wanted to get the right outfit and drive myself crazy. But then I I gotten these dresses from Saks and I look at, I usually order from Revolve, which is a customer-centered business, I- right? So it's easy to do business with them, return stuff. Also great pricing, right? Great pricing, great products. This hashtag, not an ad. Well, all of a sudden I look at Saks. You have to pay if you want to return it via UPS or whatever. So I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I'll bring it into the store because you know, that's just principle. It's wrong. So I bring it into the store. I hadn't been in the store in a long time. The guy literally is like, listen, here's my card. The guy that works at the desk, there's no one in the store. And he said, here's my card. Next time you order online, if you can just include this um, code, now I'll get a commission. And I thought to myself, this model is so freaking broken that this poor sales guy is like begging for someone to, you know, use their code so that they can make a dollar off of something that they used to have people come in the store. And, you know, that model's just broken.
0: Yeah. I I mean, that sucked. That whole experience that you just like. Horrible. I would never go to Saks again if somebody asked me that.
1: Horrible experience.
0: And now I'm I'm not mad at Saks. I'm just mad at the whole thing.
1: I feel bad for the guy. Well, obviously it's not, I mean, they're not training their people. I mean, there's so many issues there. It, the customer's not, the focus, it's it's, it's all broken.
0: Yeah. Be- before we head out, because we don't have that much time, what is, what's on your mind? What do you want to share with the audience? What are you talking about these oh days? Oh my
1: gosh, stepping into fear. Because I was, paralyzed by fear for so long I knew that lady didn't like me when I was working there but I would just ignore it all the time and that chipped away at me my confidence it chipped away at like my potential and when you erode yourself in a situation at some point you have to look in the mirror and say like enough is enough I've got to like just go out there and take a chance on me and I, I wasn't able to do that I got pushed out But I'm so glad now that I did. And this TED Talk that I did, it's so ridiculous standing on a little red circle and having a ticker going off for 10 minutes. It was one of the most stressful things I've done. But once you're done with it, it's like I said to myself right when I was walking out there, maybe I'm going to bomb right now. I don't know because this is not like anything I've ever done. But I'm going to love me so much more like when I get off the stage because I walked out there. Sure. And so
0: what since the fear professionally have you stepped into?
1: Oh my gosh, everything. Me, I left my fiance that I've been sure. in a relationship with for eight years. That's a massive that move. was like massive. Yeah, it's like a domino effect for sure. sure of you know different things that have occurred. And I keep like pushing myself to try different things and like go to that. Talk to me about your so speaking is a core thing for you. Yeah, that's my number one thing. So let's talk about
0: personal brand building, which would lead to more speaking gigs. Yeah. What are you doing content-wise?
1: How are you thinking about that? I'm Where not doing a good job of that. I need a D rock in my life. I mean, that's definitely the next investment. The D rock
0: part is not the punchline. It's it's the strategy that makes you comfortable with it.
1: Yeah, but you, you, can, can you, can you can have a D rock. You can have a great a de- strategy, but if you don't have the team to execute it, you could have a team. Well, it's all, where do you want to make your investment? I mean, that's what you have. That to, I respect
0: you. You need. So you're have, saying it's a financial a hundred
1: percent because that's the difference. Let me now. ask you a question. Yeah.
0: Do you believe if you tweeted much like you tweeted, "I got fired," yeah. that I'm looking for an intern? For a very low cost, but i'll but you'll get the skill set to do the D rock thing, and can you afford it whether you're a super hungry and you think it's strategically right because you get close to me or b you just come from highly wealthy parents who are going to subsidize your life during this time and you want the experience? do you feel like you could get that person? you're right that
1: was a, that's a good point
0: okay let's so that's that let's put that on the <laughs> shelf what What else are you doing on content? Where are you on LinkedIn? Oh, I kill on LinkedIn. Tell me. Well, how often do you post? What do you post? How are you thinking about it?
1: You know what? I don't strategize. And tell me but, the
0: truth, because I really want to help you. And he's like, final oh minutes.
1: That's so. Thank you. That's how so often do you, you
0: post on LinkedIn? Um, tell once the a truth. day.
1: Once a day. Yeah. Written. Um. Well, I do videos, but then my viral posts, like I've had millions of views on my posts, It's always nine professional pictures of like that's the recipe for whatever reason. And sharing something vulnerable, those ones go viral for me. Have you have you tried to
0: use LinkedIn like Twitter? I've been th- thinking about this a lot. No. I've been thinking about the notion of LinkedIn's algorithm is highly organic right now. And one or two sentences of thoughtful business chatter, three or four sentences on the fly, like you're going down the elevator now after this podcast and we talked about something that you thought about, and be like, literally, here's literally the LinkedIn post. Just did a podcast, made me really think about, you know, the things I continue to say no to that are actually yeses, I just need to look at them from a different angle, mm-hmm. is what I always challenge myself for, because I think, what I'm good at in giving advice for. Right. Um, that is a LinkedIn post, would take you 39 seconds. I, I think you should be posting, based on what you're trying to achieve in your career, eight to 15 times a day on LinkedIn.
1: Get out of here. Yep. And that's not gonna be overkill, you don't think? It's not spamming people? No,
0: because people aren't gonna see it all. Right. What people don't understand is the algorithm, the thing that people haven't figured out is the algorithm is on the side of the person that's consuming it, not on the side of the person that's making it. Interesting, that's a good point. And so the algorithm is gonna, you know who it's gonna overkill? The 49 people on earth that think you're the greatest thing of all time and they're gonna see all 15. they'll be fine with it, that's fine. They're gonna be pumped. Right. I'd like to get 49 pieces of content from Randy and the Macho Man Savage in 1988 every day of my life. You know, so no, the, that's why the algorithms work. People blame the algorithms. like you algorithm, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, mm, the algorithm's there for the people. It's consumer centric. <laughs> the reason algorithms work is because they're consumer centric. If you think I'm rad, you're gonna see me because you're gonna slow down when you're consuming it. You're gonna consume, you're gonna like, you're gonna comment and that's an indicator that you're gonna see it. Do you respond to haters when they post on yeah, your, you do? Not always. I mean, right now, the sheer volume between text messages, social, email that I'm getting is unsustainable, even if I did it for 18 hours a day. Um, but I'm very, I, I had 30 minute, uh, 30 minute, uh, coffee this morning with a gentleman who, uh, I wouldn't call him a hater, but was, aggressively pushing back against me on social. Um, And we had a lovely conversation about like marketing and how we see it differently. I get a lot of value, I mean look, there's people that are making up stuff. The kid that wrote the article today about me in the sports card world, made up stuff. Because I posted a photo of a box of cards yesterday which I did for my friend that runs StockX, Josh. As a friendly gesture, he's turned it into this highly like hidden compensate, I mean people are delusional. Right. Um. So that I don't get a lot of value out of. Lying or or mean hate. If somebody, you know, haters that pick on women and use sexual, that, right. you're not gonna, there's no engagement there. People that are like, Gary, you're a charlatan. Like, like you're full of, sh- you've, like what have you ever done? I'm comfortable jumping in and be like, hey, I understand you may not like the Instagram videos or I might come across too aggressive, but like, on that point of what have I ever done, I do think there should be a discussion of like, I've built two massive businesses. Like, and to that point, that might be a framework to a conversation. If the reply to you is like, you, then I'm like, okay, this needs to move on. If they're like, oh, okay, that makes sense, I didn't realize that, then, I, then I'll come back and be like, hey, what about you, like, what do you do? Like, I'm, I'm very capable of dealing with negativity because I, com- I come at it from compassion and empathy. They don't know me. right? Everybody in this room doesn't know me, and I know these these three hang out with me a lot and have a lot of access to me. they don't fully know me. who knows you so when people that's are casting true. judgment, like this is why I don't take compliments high either
1: that's hard that is really but you have to train yourself to do that well,
0: this is why you know I look at I look at like there's a couple things that people really struggle with if you're attractive as a guy or gal, inevitably you're in trouble because you grew up in a life where people told you, you were attractive and you took that in if you had high success in school, if you had high success yeah. in sport. You know, by not being an attractive scholar or athlete, I had none of those over things. And so what actually gave me reinforcement was the end market. Nobody complimented me except the results of my little businesses. So I became market driven, not people's opinions driven. My friends, got it? That's what I've self-analyzed. So that's what I'm looking for everybody else to do. Forget about individual opinions, what's the score say? Do people, like, I always tell people, do the people that know you best like you? See, my thing is, there's so many people out there that are admired, but if you look carefully, their inner circle's garbage. That's sad. Well, that's a lot of people that people think are awesome. Like a lot of people that get exposed later in the news, like bad me too, fraud, go to jail. If you look carefully, right. you can be like, why don't they have an inner circle? Why aren't there people there for a long time? That's creepy. Like I'm like, why do I have people around me forever? Like, like it's not super complicated. Like, people get confused and then the reverse, so to me, I'd rather the people that know me the best admire me the most, and the people that don't know me at all and are insecure and upset with themselves hate me the most. Absolutely. That's the game. Done. Fear is a real, you need to challenge yourself, in my opinion, to play that exact phrase. You are not naturally that person. Just like I'm not naturally work out well, Like it's really fun to think, I don't do radical candor well because I hate micro negativity which has led to all my vulnerabilities. That's what I'm working on. You need to go all in on everything that is judgment. I love that. That's the game for you. All right, I'm in. Final point. You get the floor for the last 30, 60 seconds.
1: Uh, fear is a liar and confidence is the one thing that can change everything for anyone and it's a choice. It's not something you're born with. It, it is it's a practice. practice, right? It's a discipline it's and it's a decision every day when you wake up, but it's the game changer.
0: I'm going to add, and I apologize. I said you get the last word, but I'm a maniac. <laughs> I'm completely flawed. It just made me think of something. Judge the judger. A couple of new big executives have come to Vayner and they're like, wow, this place is Amazing and I'm like why and both said the same thing they said after six months. They're like you don't just blindly take Content and context from people you actually 360 it and I'm like, what do you mean? They're like well a couple weeks ago I told you Sally Magoo sucked and you came back a week later and said you have a wrong perspective because you only took it from one Person's point of view and you were right after I did the homework judge the judger my friends if somebody says you're ugly you have to decide who that person is, including your mom, including your dad.
1: Most importantly, those people, because those people are coming from their their own challenging places. Judge the judger. You're so right.
0: People get feedback and they're like, ah, I'm stupid. I'm like, because Ricky Magoo said you're stupid? Judge the judger. That's the easiest way to get into a fear-based. Here's my framework. I don't let anybody else's opinion override my own, judge the judger, and when I lose, because there is no judger, it's just the market, mm-hmm. my book didn't sell, my sports card didn't sell, my business did bad, we got fired, I accept it, I own it. When the market says you lost, you have to own it. It's like sports. Mm-hmm. Either you lost or you won. And when you lose, you have to accept it. And, but anything that's a subjective judgment, judge the judger.